It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Starting the show today with Cliff Godwin. He joins us for our Inside the ECU Clubhouse with uh, Coach G. As the Pirates uh, are number seven now in the D1 baseball poll. Weekend sweep of Cincinnati. ECU has reeled off eight in a row. And the uh, Pirates are 24-2 and at home after uh, dispatching of the Bearcats. A pesky outing coach, Godwin, uh, from Cincy, as it always seems to be the case. On Friday night, they hung tough with you. But these were no doubters the last two days uh, for your team winning in uh, seven innings on Saturday and Sunday over the Bearcats. Yeah, our guys have been playing well. You know, I thought uh, the midweek game against Old Dominion, the guys really showed up with, uh, you know, intent and energy, and we're excited to play and against a very good Old Dominion team and, and really just set the tone for the week, and, and I thought we played really well all weekend. Coach, uh, a weekend, too, where the uh, starters were uh, really, really effective uh, and, uh, if not spectacular, uh, with Groves' performance Sunday, uh, 73 pitches. He actually trailed in that game at one point, but, uh, uh, just a remarkable performance from, from Josh Groves who continues to grow and flourish. Yeah, you know, I, I said it post game yesterday that just, uh, you know, kind of a weird game where there was a lot of, uh, you know, long offensive innings on our side <laughs> where some reviews and stuff and, um, you know, he wasn't really happy when I went out there and, and we were going to Danny Field, but just thought that was a good matchup but to kind of squelch their momentum, so to speak. And he was in the 70s with his pitch count. And like I said, he'd just been sitting down a lot. So, um, but no, he gave us a quality start. And that's what our weekend rotation has been doing is just giving us quality starts with, uh, giving us a chance to win. And that's all we ask them. Whoever starts the game, just give us a chance to win. And those guys have been doing a great job. Coach, I've talked to you a lot of this year, uh, pitching-wise, about uh, Trey Savage and uh, Carter Spivey, and rightfully so, and then other guys out of the bullpen. And I do want to talk about Danny Bill in a little bit. But, you know, we, we've talked some about Josh Groves, but we really haven't uh, kind of elaborated on his story or, or talked greatly about him. Uh, how has he, you know, grown since he's entered the program? And uh, uh, just a little bit on, you know, the makeup of uh, Josh Groves and the, and the kind of character he has. Well, I think he has, of course, continued to physically get better. He's worked a lot with Coach Knight and, you know, just on his delivery and being more consistent with his delivery. You know, his fastball's got some ride to it now. He's got a really good slider. Seb with always change up the lefties. So, um, his repertoire has gotten a lot better. But for me, it's the, the mental side of things. This year, he's just really grown, um, maturity wise, in my opinion, from the mental side of things. And, He's a leader on our team, not just in the pitching staff, and just proud of the way he's continued to grow as a leader. And, and another one, like a lot of the guys on your roster, uh, seems like a really good student, too. <laughs> so. He is. Josh is smart. You know, he, his uh, dad's in the military, so uh-huh. he has grown up on, on that side of things. So he, uh, but he's super smart, super intelligent, and he could, he's got a great personality, too. 
so he can do really whatever he wants to do when baseball's over for him. Yeah, real, real fine young man and, and one of those yes sir, no sir kinds, uh, in just brief exchanges with him. So, uh, I'm sure his family, and I know you're real proud of him, but, uh, Josh was, was lights out yesterday. Uh, Carter Spivey was, uh, equally as sensational. Uh, and back to back, just amazing starts from him. He gets the complete game, seven inning, uh, victory over Cincinnati Saturday and did it with, uh, are we saying broken nose? Uh, I guess yeah. that's the official diagnosis, right? Yeah, he, yep, his nose officially broken, you know, on an x-ray. So, uh, uh, didn't have to be reset or anything and he actually had to have a couple of stitches, I think two, two stitches, uh, just a overthrown ball. It was weird. It hit where the turf meets the grass and just had a weird kick off the ground. And, um, the guy that was you know, on the receiving end just it took a bad hop. So they didn't catch it. And Spivey just was at the wrong place at the wrong time and got his nose broke. And, uh, we went through all the concussion protocol stuff and he passed that. So, uh, he was good to go to pitch on Saturday. Where is he, uh, taking his game the last couple of outings in your mind? Where, where has he really excelled? Um, he, he's, Saw more strikes. I think getting ahead of hitters. I mean, you could see that his pitch count was very low um, in the seven inning game. So uh, you know, he pitched to contact more, and um, you know, only had a couple strikeouts, but really managed, to, in my opinion, a really good offense on the Cincinnati side of things. Um, with uh, let me just say this about uh, I, I popped by before practice Thursday, and uh, he was out throwing uh, the pigskin around with Trey Savage. Coach G got in on this action, and let me—the old high school quarterback can still zing it, folks. Cliff Godwin can still throw the football. So, well, I was trying to get my arm loose for BP. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Coach Cliff Godwin is uh, is is with us here. Let's go back to uh, Friday's game uh, and uh, talk a little bit about uh, again, uh, kind of uh, in some ways, Coach, uh, a typical game when the Pirates play Cincinnati. Got off to a great start. But uh, little by little, the Bearcats uh, just hung around and, and fought in it, and it wasn't until really late in the game with the Moylan blow that there was some sufficient breathing room for the Pirates. Yeah, they they always play us tough, and we talked about that going into the weekend, no matter what their record is. And you know, it got to uh, six to four um, in the eighth inning, and then you know, Moylan had a big three-run, uh, two-out home run that, you know, gave us some breathing room for us to, you know, get a win 9-4. Josh Moylan uh, with uh, back-to-back games with uh, three-run homers. Uh, and then, uh, you know, he, he just continues to be steady, uh, even not even steady, spectacular in the field. Uh, another game of multiple hits for him against Cincinnati on Sunday as well. So Moylan, not only is he uh, – you know, great in the field and, and been producing at the, the plate. But could you maybe just kind of take us a little bit through his journey because he hit the tough spot last year, and I know he's worked a lot on the mental side of it and just how he's evolved this season, what adjustments he's made to to, to start to see the results that he's seen as far as average and productivity. Yeah, well, he, definitely the mental side of things is the biggest thing. Um, he has shown up and just going about his business in a very professional approach this year and uh, worried about the team, not worried about himself as much. And, you know, been very coachable on the hitting side of things with, uh, with me. Um, you know, he actually, the first game of the season was kind of still standing straight up and I pulled up video from his freshman year that 
I mean, this is what you look like your freshman year, and I don't understand why we're not, you know, going back to this. And he's like, Coach, I'm open for it. So to be coachable and just seeing the ball really well, and he's always been a super talented uh, young man, and um, he has just done a very consistent job uh, of putting together quality at bats against really good pitching. And, um, you know, he's always had power, and he's using the whole field. So, But really just his day-to-day approach uh, at practice and, you watch him take BPs using the whole field. He's not trying to hit every ball out of right field. And that's the, the biggest thing is just letting his talents, uh, you know, come to the forefront by being a very mature player. Yeah, that uh, home run on Saturday was a backside home run. And, and he just, I mean, what a beautiful at bat that was. And he just has put together a string of them. Uh, it was also a good coach to see Jacob Starling uh, start to uh, to drive the ball again this weekend. Yeah, Starling. You know, had uh, you know, he had a bad jam hand for a while, so I think that affected him, and he was still getting his walks and stuff. But he'll uh, he'll be fine. You know, he's been out there every single day, played a great second base for us, and um, you know, when he's putting together quality at bats and using the whole field, then that makes us a much better offense for sure. So, uh, but he uh, he'll, he'll be there. It was great, coach, to hear from Cam Clonch, uh this weekend. Uh, talking about, uh, you know, what it takes to, to win and what it takes to be ready. And that, uh, that's something that you preach a lot. And, and he, uh, you know, sort of lived the, lived it out. He's, he's maintained the fact that he's ready to go. And when called upon, he's, he's been able to have a huge weekend like he did. He was great defensively for Moylan uh, a few weeks ago for a couple of games. Uh, Cam Clonch, uh, the Clonch launch is what, what they're calling these homers now. I like that. So, uh, but, uh, you know, just, just speaks a lot about his preparation and how locked in he is to come in and, uh, and do this. Clonch is extremely competitive and, uh, you know, he wants each baseball to win. I mean, that's the thing that's at the forefront, whether he's in the starting lineup or not. Normally he, you know, comes in the game for a pinch hit or something like that. So he's always ready to go. And, uh, he prepares every day like he's going to be in the lineup. And this weekend, he had a, a great weekend for us, uh, you know, being in there. Um, you know, McChrystal's battling a broken finger now, and he, he can play. We're just trying to, you know, manage it, let swelling go down as much as possible so it's a little bit less painful uh, for him when he's having to swing a bat and then go back down and catch. Uh, Danny Beal, uh, back to the pitching uh, quickly here, Coach, uh, came in and uh... – was amazing against uh, Old Dominion and then uh, came in yesterday and, uh, as you said, uh, provided uh, that middle relief picking up the win uh, to get it to Garrett Saylor ultimately. But uh, Danny Bill has really come around here the last uh, couple of uh, couple of outings. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is for, you know, every player that plays baseball. I mean, Danny got off to a rough start for us and um, then had to, you know, get back out there and really some – uh, not very crucial situations where we'd have 10 run leads or eight run leads. And he made the most of his opportunities and kept getting better. Um, and next thing you know, he's out there and he's, you know, it was a really dominant performance against old dominion, but he's had some very crucial moments for us. And, um, yesterday he wasn't quite as sharp as he was against old dominion, but still got the job done. And it was good to see Garrett Saylor back on Sunday. Great to see him back out there, and, and the adrenaline was going for sure. He was all juiced up, and um, it's just I'm so glad he's healthy, and because uh, we're going to need him for the stretch run here. 
Coach Cliff Godwin uh, joining us uh, here. Coach, with uh, the game at Charlotte this week, it's at another uh, minor league uh, facility, AAA facility. Uh, very nice uh, downtown ballpark there in Charlotte. I'm sure there will be a lot of uh, ECU fans from that part of the state uh, who will be uh, out cheering on the Pirates. Uh, is that another case where there will be a coin flip before, or is that a designated Charlotte home game? No, Charlotte's the home team. We're the visiting team. and. Um, you know, we wanted to play there if we could just because uh, it's a bigger stadium as far as seating capacity than at Charlotte's ballpark. And I know there will be a ton of ECU fans there, which will be awesome. Yeah, and that's uh, a preview of a, uh, a conference matchup in the future, and I'm sure one that will be, uh, you know, pretty heated uh, as the years go on with a, an in-state rival. Uh, on the whole, tell us a little bit about this 49er program. Uh, again, kind of on the whole, not necessarily specifically this year, but, you know, how have they been here in recent seasons? Well, I mean, they've been good. You know, back in uh, 2021, they had us on the rope here in a regional, um, you know, in the regional winner's bracket game, and we had to come from behind. And so they've done really well. They've been in regionals, um, and they got really good players. So, you know, we'll have our hands full for sure on Wednesday night in Charlotte. Well, that harkens back to uh, the great Bryson World catch in that in that yeah. game, and then we saw a replay of that this weekend in a couple of instances with uh, <laughs> with uh, what we saw out of uh, Hoover and uh, and Carter Cunningham. Yeah, Hoover's definitely kind of in the same spot um, for sure, and uh, Carter robbed a home run as well. So, uh, you know, tip of the cap to our defense for sure. Our defense was great all weekend. I mean. I think we only had two errors, or maybe three on the entire weekend, but two of them were pickoffs from pitchers. So uh, we played great defense, and uh, definitely that helped us on Friday. Coach, as far as uh, we've talked about it a little bit in the past, uh, this team and uh, how some of the older guys have kind of stepped it up uh, as far as the leadership uh, goes. Uh, could, could you talk about that as far as you know the the, the this group's the, the kind of leadership personality that they have taken on, and then, you know, how maybe you've said it before, a younger coach Godwin, uh, you know, maybe would not have put that uh, leadership on the team last year, and, and and like you have this season. Well, everything's different, and last year's team, for whatever reason, was, uh, you know, a little bit of immature at times, um, and that's why we were off to a rocky start at the beginning of the season. This group. Um, really just dating back to early in the fall, yeah, has done a really good job of showing up and being very consistent in their preparation and whatever we wanted to do. Other than a few games where I felt like, you know, we just weren't locked in. Um, you're talking about a big body of work, so it's a trust thing, you know, and the coaches want everything to be player-led. Um, the coaches feed them the information and then the players lead. But, you know, it starts with the older guys for sure. I mean, you got guys like Sailor Spivey and Hoover who have been here for five years and have seen, uh, how to do things the right way over a long period of time and, and been very successful at it. And then you've got guys like Charlie Hodges, um, who is a leader, um, and, you know, helps run the team meetings. You've got Carter Cunningham, um, and then just a, a slew of guys behind them. I mean, Cam Clonch and others that just kind of are assistant coaches to those guys. So, um, when you got everybody pulling on the same end of the rope, it, it's, it's special. And we just need to continue to develop our relationships and have intentional conversations. And if we do that, then we'll continue to get better. It's when it when it comes to 
you know, uh, just when you talk about those sort of things, communication seems to be such a big part of, of having a successful program and really kind of any other enterprise. Uh, you know, was that a lesson learned? Is that something you observed as an assistant at all these places? I mean, being an effective communicator, I guess, is, is a real part of what you, uh, of, of what you've instilled in this program and then kind of empowering the guys to have that two-way communication with you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think effective communication, um, just because you tell somebody something doesn't mean that that's effective communication, you know, and we always talk about to our players, like, you know, leadership is getting people to do what you want them to do or what you need them to do. It's not just, hey, do this. And, you know, if they don't execute it, then that's not really leadership. So, um, you know, we have a lot of leadership meetings in the fall, especially. And, um, like I said, the older guys that are in our program now have learned from guys that have been in our program in previous years. And we always talk about leading the place better than how you found it. And I mean, our guys are continue to do that. They just got to stay hungry and stay humble so we can continue to get better. Cliff, would you talk to a recruit? Um, obviously there's baseball in that, but what else do you talk to the recruits about as far as? the philosophy, but also, uh, you know, what you're interested in learning about them? Well, the thing, we, we're very open and honest about what our program is. Number one is if you don't like to work hard, then don't come here um, because it's real work. Um, it's work in the classroom. It's work in the weight room. It's work on the baseball field. It's work in the community. Um, and we're going to do it every single day. And a lot of people think they want to work hard and then, you know, all of a sudden when it's very consistent and everyday things, then uh, they seem to not like it as much, at least some people. But um, then we tell them that you're going to be prepared for life when you walk out of here. Yes, we're going to make you a better baseball player. I mean, the fruits and the pudding with that, with the way we develop guys, but we're also going to make you a better person. So when you walk out of here, whether you play professional baseball or not, you're going to be prepared for the real world. You know, it seems like, when you talk to certain uh, guys who are alumni of your program, I, mean, I think of you know a guy like Spencer Brickhouse, who's who's kind of a, a young guy in the community, who uh, did play professionally, but is also doing some other things now, and about to have a family and and all that. And it's just a small example, one person. Uh, but uh, you know that that's the thing to me that I think is is real interesting with the guys who graduate. To a man, the vast majority of them are, are pretty successful. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of examples of, of that philosophy that you can point to and that your other players can point to, uh, to these younger guys about uh, the, the proof being in the pudding, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, Brick, uh, he, he's going to finish up his engineering degree. He works over at Young Physical Therapy right now. Um, he's got a full workload, married, about to have a kid, uh, full-time student, working, uh, you know, part-time at Young's. Uh, and doing some of the ESPN games too. Yeah. So he's got a full workload. But a lot of guys, I mean, Cam Comer, Matt Bridges working for Grover Gaming and being very successful. Bryce Harmon, um, who wasn't the best student and, and I can laugh about it now, but graduated and has really, um, just moved up the ranks, uh, very fast in the professional side of things with scouting and has a really good job with the Philadelphia Phillies and just how proud I am of him just because it, it wasn't always easy coaching him, and uh, he would challenge us at times. And you know how appreciative he is that we were 
you know, held him to a standard when he was here and it's just held him out in the real world. So, yeah, those are the stories that, that make you real proud as a coach. Coach, always great to catch up with you. Uh, this is a great conversation, and we appreciate it. Uh, best of luck on the road for the next five, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks. Thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it. When we get back, we're going to have a pirate report for you. Also later on in the show, it is the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, beginning tonight. Who knew? And uh, your Carolina Hurricanes are going to be in action at home on the uh, home ice against uh, the New York Islanders. We'll uh, catch up with our old friend Brian LeBlanc from Canes Country later on in the show. Uh, they cover the Carolina Hurricanes, and uh, we'll get a primer and a preview on tonight's matchup in the first-round series against the Isles. We'd appreciate it if anyone hearing this broadcast would communicate with us. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of the ECU Pirates. We are very anxious to know how far the broadcast is reaching. 94.3 The Game. 94.3thegame.com And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. 94.3 The Game. We're going to hear from some of the Pirate players after the weekend sweep of Cincinnati. And we start with the guy that was swinging a hot bat, Cam Clunch. He uh, talked about getting ECU off to a good start on Friday with a three-run home run. You know, it was good to get a swing off right there. Um, I think there was two outs and... Um, I wouldn't have had a chance uh, to get up to the plate if, if, if it wasn't for Stars at bat. And um, He lined one up the middle and gave me that opportunity. But, um, yeah, glad to get us off to a good start. So that was the uh, first of a couple clunch launches this weekend, and uh, he was asked Friday uh, what pitch that he took yard. Uh, I hit a fastball on the first at bat. Um, we knew he had a good heater, and, and he was going to go with it. Um, so just sticking to the plan. And I was a little early on the first one, um, and then I knew he had the slide step, and, and it was going to get on me. So I uh, just changed my timing up a little bit and, and was able to get to it. Kim Klotch has proven to be a valuable member of this uh, Pirate team during his career, and uh, he has played at times this year uh, somewhat sporadically, but he says you just got to be ready. Yeah, just staying ready when when my number's called. We, we preach it a lot here, you know it. Um, if we're going to win a national championship, it takes everybody. So uh, whatever my role is that day, just come in and fulfill it and do whatever do whatever I can to help this team win. And more from Cam Clunch. Clam Conch. Uh-huh. Uh, more from Cam Clunch. Uh, and this is, uh, you know, he filled in for Josh Moylan a couple series ago uh, for uh, at first base. He, he talked about that. I mean, I work at first base every day. Um, me and Josh compete over there and, um, you know, go back and forth in practice and to have somebody over there like that that uh, I can compete with and try to push every day, it, it makes both of us better. And um, and and we're both fully confident in playing that position uh, whenever coach needs us to do that. And um, So, yeah, it's great just competing against one another and pushing each other every day. And then Cam Clotch was asked about a couple specific plays, uh, one by AMAC and one by Joey Baridi in one of those games he started at first. Yeah, um, Shaq made a good play in that game, too, and, and they asked me, they said, uh, you know, what would you think about that play? And I said, I, I see it every day in practice, so it, it wasn't a surprise. Big weekend for Cam Clonch, also a big weekend for Landon Ginn in uh, Friday's game. Uh, he has continued to pitch very well on the back end out of the Pirates, and uh, he talked about what he had going, and 
what he was doing out there on the mound against the Bearcats Friday night. I throw a lot of hard sliders, so normally if we go hard slider, we go fastball in, just to keep the time and mix them up. AK is really good with uh, calling pitches, and I trust him with everything he calls. Landon Ginn says uh, he just wants to come out there and perform, and if the situation is pressure-packed, that's even better. Honestly, whatever role it is to help the team win, I like the big moments, and uh, I just think I shine best in those moments. Again, dealing with uh, some NCAA issues earlier in the year, he uh, missed a lot of games. And uh, when he was not playing, he said he was putting in the work to be ready for moments like we saw on Friday. When I wasn't playing every day, I was working hard and just, you know, staying to the process and making sure I was getting better every day. And then when, when it came my time to pitch, I was ready to go, and I haven't looked back. No, he has not. He's done a fantastic uh, job, and so has Wyatt Lunsford-Shinkman, who uh, closed out that game on Saturday, uh, Friday. And uh, the Pirates uh, now starting to get some uh, roles a little more defined in the bullpen. A guy who was uh, a do-it-all last year in the Pirate pen, a Swiss Army knife on the hill, was uh, Carter Spivey. This year he has settled in very nicely to that number two starting role, especially the last couple of conference outings. Carter Spivey was dazzling on Saturday in uh, the seven-inning win against uh, Cincinnati, the first of two over the weekend. In the seven innings that he worked on Saturday, just gave up four hits and threw uh, 83 pitches. Great pitch economy for Carter Spivey. Yeah, they were uh, they're a very aggressive team at the plate, so I kind of I knew that coming in. And the game plan was just to, to get ahead of them early and let them uh, you know put the ball in play and trust their outstanding defense. Man, you saw they're outstanding today. Three strikeouts on the day Saturday for Carter Spivey. A lot of fly ball outs, and he says that was all part of uh, his game plan on the bump. You know, sticking to the game plan, just trying to attack the strike zone early and often and make them feel uncomfortable at the play and let themselves get themselves out. Carter Spivey, as we're uh, hearing from some of the players in the postgame from our Pirate Report, Spivey getting the dub on Saturday on the hill for ECU, and uh, he talked about the Pirate defense. It's uh, it's unbelievable. You know, it makes my job a lot easier knowing i got a great defense behind me. And I mean, this is Pirate baseball at its best right here. We're not the flashiest team in the world, but we're going to get on you. We're, we're kind of grimy, but uh, we just get the job done. That's what we did today. Carter Spivey uh, had the breaking pitch and has had the breaking pitch going his last two starts. He said that was uh, part of his off-season regimen to develop that pitch. Yeah, that's what that was one of the uh, the focuses this off-season with AK and uh, just trying to focus on getting that fourth pitch that I could throw to lefties. And uh, you know, I mean, we, we've worked really hard on it. Um, a lot of a lot of back and forth, but there's a lot of time you know behind the scenes that you know people probably don't see that allows me to go out there and you know be confident in it. Now, accolades to you from Coach Godwin today, but also accolades from him on the crowd. Pitching in front of a crowd like this on a beautiful spring afternoon, tell us what it's like. I mean, you can't, can't say enough about Pirate Nation, right? They're unbelievable. And uh, I know it definitely gives us a, a nice home field advantage, makes the other team uncomfortable, and I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. So now we're going to hear from uh, Shaq, Joey Barini, who uh, had a home run against Old Dominion, also had... Uh, Three hits in the game on Saturday. Try to stay locked in in there. Don't make it any bigger than it is when uh, runners are on base. Keep it the same as it is if nobody's on base. Marini, after uh, an AMAC base knock, doubled down the left field line. little uh, bit of uh, back-end hitting there, and that uh, allowed uh, AMAC to score. And uh, Joey Barini, Pirate shortstop on that. Yeah, I was 
Didn't do my job the first, my first bat with a runner on third, less than uh, two outs, so I knew I had to do something to get another run in to make up for that. There was a great play that Barini made in the field. It was uh, flipped to Starling after he laid out. Starman turned and threw it over to first, and it was a double play uh, until it was reviewed and overturned. A sensational play nonetheless, and uh, Barini on the ham and cheese that was not. Saw a softly hit ground ball in the middle, started going after it, and... New star was going to be at the back, so I flipped it to him right away, and he almost got him at first. It was a good turn. He made a quick uh, backhand flip, and he says this is something that they have worked on, he and Starling, before. Uh, no, I wasn't because we practice that every day in practice, so I'm confident in uh, any feed that I give. And the Jacob Starling turn, uh, Barini talking about how excellent that was. Yeah, his turn was really good. He's been really good over there all year, turning double plays and making ground, making plays on ground balls. And Barini has been uh, solid up the middle defensively, but he's also been very productive in the lineup wherever he's batted, wherever he has uh, found himself in a given game. Seems like Joey Barini's always in the mix, and uh, he discussed that after the game. Just been Keeping it simple up there, not trying to do too much, just trying to be myself and not make it too big of a deal than, than what it is. Uh, yeah, I guess it was there all along. I just try to not to think too much about my swing and just go up there and hit the ball or the baseball and follow whatever plan coaches got us on that day. Good stuff there from Joey Barini as we uh, roll on in our pirate report. Uh, and uh, this was uh, Josh Moylan, uh, multiple hit games in every game this weekend. Three home runs in the series, and Josh Moylan talked about uh, going up there and kind of seizing the opportunity to put Cincinnati away with his at-bats. Yeah, I think it's, it's like you said, just you know, adding on to the lead. Anytime we have a lead and there's a chance for a mercy rule kind of thing, you always like to get out of there early. So just, you know, just trying to put a good swing in the ball, stay through the middle of the field, and uh, just keep trying to add to that big lead. Pirates have had some injuries that they have had to deal with. You heard that uh, when we talked to Cliff Godwin a little bit ago. And uh, Josh Moylan has uh, talked about uh, guys being ready, stepping in, and filling in the gaps where needed, and other guys stepping up. Anytime you lose a guy, especially like J.C., middle of the lineup bat, who's phenomenal in the field and, and at the plate, I mean, everybody knows they have to step up a little bit. And guys weren't putting too much pressure on themselves, just coming out and trying to, you know, continue to put good swings on the ball, and that's what we've been doing, just seeing the ball deep at one through nine. Everybody's been uh, getting their share of hits, so it's just it's been more of a team game now, not having to worry about uh, a couple individuals picking us up. Pirate first baseman Josh Moylan asked about asked about uh, guys that are kind of table setters in this uh, lineup. Uh, Hoover at the top, Lane Hoover, and uh, also... One of the other guys that uh, you think of uh, is uh, Luke Nowak, who has uh, obviously been a, a guy that with his speed and just a knack for finding his way aboard. Same thing for uh, Barini, who we heard from. Josh Mullen on those guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, just like you said, those guys are the table setters in our lineup. Anytime they can get on base, we know we have a chance to score. Whether they're on first, second, third, wherever they are, they're, I mean, they're going to score on a base hit. So anytime we can get guys, especially those three on base, and they can run, that, that's always a good recipe for us. And uh, talking about wrapping up the last two games of the series with the mercy rule, Josh Moylan says that's a good thing. Anytime you can finish a game early is nice, but uh, I'll, I'll count those as uh, complete games. Even though they're in a mercy rule, I'll, I'll count them as complete games. But those guys have been great all year, and then finally the offense is starting to come around. We're putting up a good amount of runs, so it's about time we uh, pick those guys up for carrying us a little bit at the beginning of the year. Well, it was asked, is this the best ball that the Pirates have played all season? 
Yeah, I mean, I think we're doing a lot better of a job now of getting guys in. I think before our problem was we were getting on base, just leaving guys out there. And now I think we're really starting to come up with those big hits, those long at-bats where we're drawing walks, just those kind of team at-bats to really keep moving those runners around and eventually get them in. But I think we're playing really well right now, and we'll see if we can take down the road come this week. Stretch run of the season upcoming, and Josh Moylan talked about uh, for East Carolina uh, playing well in these weekend series from here on out in the league. Uh, but also some of the key non-con games, the midweeks coming up. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's always important to win conference games. But just like you said, we have some tough ones coming up that are out of conference, and those are big for all the RPI things, things like that. But, you know, just not not too worried about who we're playing, just continuing to go out and play our brand of baseball. And if I think we can do that, I think we can beat any team in the country. Awesome stuff. All impressive guys. Uh, Sonny and I spoke Saturday before the uh, telecast with AMAC, and, I mean, just an impressive guy. Uh, Makarevich is, uh, you just, you, you can't help but root for these kids when you get to know them and talk with them. They're, they're as great ball players as they are. They're even better people. And that's just not, uh, hyperbole. I mean, that is, that is a fact. These, everybody we have dealt with, with these players is sensational. Uh, of course, uh, Alec Burleson continues to have a tremendous start to the season in St. Louis. Uh, word that, uh, Burley fouled a ball off his shin Sunday and had to leave the game, but uh, the latest from the Cardinals on the Burley in- injury update, Alec Burleson is all right for those wondering. Everything came back clean on the x-rays. Good news. That's a tweet from the uh, Redbirds, the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Pirates will uh, be number seven in the D1 baseball poll going into the games this week. They'll be at Charlotte at the uh, Truist Ballpark downtown there. That'll be a road game, as Cliff Godwin told us a little bit ago. Pirates will stay Wednesday night in Charlotte and uh, fly out of Charlotte to go to Wichita. So that is the plan uh, for the uh, next week ahead. And, of course, a week from tomorrow night, the matchup with NC State. Then Tulane comes to town. So uh, some high-stakes baseball will continue to be played by the Pirates. All right, that is today's Pirate Report. Right now, uh, let's uh, take a timeout, and when we get back, uh, Cookie will give you an update on everything going on in the world of sports with a Sports Flash update, and then we'll have uh, Brian LeBlanc on from Kane's Country. It's the uh, opening round of the Stanley Cup playoffs tonight where your Carolina Hurricanes take on the New York Islanders. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. <laughs> On your flagship home of Pirate Football, 94.3 The Game. This is Chris Cook here with your 94.3 The Game Sports Flash Update. Ninth-ranked East Carolina continued its stellar play with a 13-3 win over Cincinnati Sunday in seven innings, marking the Pirates' second consecutive American Athletic Conference sweep. It was the eighth straight win for ECU and sixth consecutive league win for a team that Cliff Godwin says is playing well but is not quite yet at full strength. Pirates are now 28-8 on the season and sit in the sole possession of first place in the AAC. ECU kicks off a five-game road swing Wednesday with a non-conference matchup against Charlotte. East Carolina senior right-handed pitcher Carter Spivey has been named the American Athletic Conference Pitcher of the Week, according to an announcement by the league Monday afternoon. The weekly accolade is the second of Spivey's career, the first since April 25, 2022, and the sixth by a Pirate position player or pitcher this season. 
Four Pirates entered the transfer portal this past weekend, including junior place kicker Owen Daffer. Daffer committed to ECU as a preferred walk-on in 2020 and was placed on scholarship after his game winner at Navy in 2021. Running back Nemo Squire and cornerbacks Fletcher Marshall and G. Moore Wilson also entered the spring transfer portal, which runs all the way through April 30th. Matt Fitzpatrick defeated Jordan Spieth on the third playoff hole at the RBC Heritage on Sunday to secure his first victory since the U.S. Open last June. Fitzpatrick earned $3.6 million for the win. The Stanley Cup playoffs begin tonight. The Carolina Hurricanes will host the New York Islanders at PNC Arena for game one of their seven-game series. This is Carolina's fifth straight trip to the postseason. Puck drops at 7 p.m. That'll do it for your 94.3 The Game Sports Update. This sports update is brought to you by Team Boneyard, an NIL initiative directly supporting Pirates student-athletes. For info on how to donate, please visit teamboneyard.org. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on the other side of this quick timeout, right here on 94.3 The Game. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of Pirate Basketball, 94.3 The Game. Great Brian LeBlanc from Canes Country is joining us here. We always talk to Brian when we're about to start the playoffs because right now they're your Carolina Hurricanes, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe mine, but they're definitely yours. The great Brian LeBlanc joins us. You know, us. I probably should just, I should probably just put this as like a recurring invitation on my calendar every year about this time. I know I'm going to get a call from you, right? Well, here's the thing, Brian. I don't think you can take this for granted if you're a Kaniac. I mean, these no. are, these are, uh, you know, I, I, there were some salad days, but, uh, these are pretty good right now and it doesn't always work like this. No, it doesn't. And what's kind of funny is that this is the first time in franchise history, even including the Hartford days where the team has made the playoffs five straight years. Um, it's very much rarefied air, and um, I, I think that there's probably something to be said for maybe getting a little bit uh, complacent is probably too strong of a word, but um, I don't think the excitement is quite as much there as it was when the Hurricanes snuck in in 2019, sneak in, but, you know, it took them to the last week of the season. Right. This year it's been a foregone conclusion since the second month of the year. I mean, by, by Thanksgiving we knew that they were going to be at the playoffs, and they wound up with a better record this year by points anyway than the year that they won the Stanley Cup. Wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, for, for all of the understandable, uh, belly aching and griping about how this, uh, this season has gone, and there are absolutely some things to be concerned about going into the series. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think it's worth taking a step back and looking at the big picture and saying, you know what? Uh, this is a, this, this is a heck of a run, even by the standards of the Hurricanes over the past few years. This has been, uh, this has been a very quality season, uh, even though it may not have felt like that to a certain extent for long stretches of that season. Yeah. You know, we really have not paid much attention to, uh, the Canes since the outdoor game. Uh, mm-hmm. and that probably, uh, maybe not the nexus of the season, but that was a high, high point as far as national exposure and, Mm-hmm. Good vibes and, you know, a real showcase for the team. So really, right. since that point, you know, the, the concern as I see it, Brian, is in goal. Uh, and, uh, they, they did win the Metropolitan by kind of wrapping it up, uh, on the last day. So mm-hmm. give us the, you know, the, 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 the more detailed lay of the land going into the postseason. 
Well, the uh, the the bigger story than uh, than having to fight with the Devils to win the Metro, I think, is the fact that the offense has uh, gone MIA here over the past six weeks, and I don't think it's uh, coincidental that those six weeks coincide with Andrei Svechnikov uh, being lost for the season right. with a torn ACL, right. uh, which happened right after the right after the outdoor game early March. Uh, is when he went out of the lineup. And, you know, the Hurricanes this year have really struggled uh, to score goals to begin with. They're really good at preventing goals. Um, they're just not great at scoring them. And Svechnikov and, to a lesser extent, Max Pacioretty, who uh, was never really here for more than a cup of coffee just because of his injury troubles this year, uh, were going to be two guys that they were going to rely on in the playoffs for a lot of that goal scoring. And with both of them out... Um, you know, you've got Sebastian Ajo, um, but where is it behind him? Right. You know, there's some serious question marks about who's going to put the puck in the net. And on the other side of the ice, uh, they're going up against one of the best goalies in the NHL, Anilia Sorokin, who I think is probably going to be a finalist for the best goalie of the year uh, when those nominations come out in a couple of weeks. So um, it's it's definitely, you know, the Hurricanes should win this this series. I want to say that up front. They should win this series. They're a better team top to bottom than the Islanders. But there are enough pain points at significant junctures of the lineup that it gives you a little bit of pause and says, you know, this might be a little more difficult than than it really should be given the relative quality of the two teams involved. The Stanley Cup playoffs start tonight. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference first round against the New York Islanders. The great Brian LeBlanc is here with us. So you're painting a little bit of a grim picture for advancing past the second round for the first time since 2019, but it sort of sounds like getting out of the first round might be a little bit of a, uh, you know, uh, cause some, a little bit of indigestion. Um, well. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's, there, I think indigestion is probably a good way to put it. This is going to be a low-scoring series. You know, the Islanders are not, a, you know, a fire wagon team that's going to just dump puck after puck into the net. This series is going to be won on, on the strength of 2-1, 3-2, you know, empty net goal type wins. Um, it's not going to be a very high scoring series, I don't think. And, you know, maybe that plays the Hurricanes advantage because they are going to go with Anthony Ross tonight uh, as the starting goalie. And he's only lost one game since November now. At least a bit of that time he was hurt, but the record is the record and he's had a very, very good season. And over the past couple of weeks, the Hurricanes have uh, rotated back and forth between uh, Ranta and Frederick Anderson. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Ranta's been by far the better goalie. Uh, so it's not a surprise to anybody who's been paying attention that Ranta's going to get the call tonight. Um, but they they need him to be that guy that he's been for the majority of the season. When he's come in, they've had good success, and they, they need that to continue because timely saves are going to be even more important in this series than they might be in any other series in the first round of the playoffs. You know, uh, the first team to win is going to have a big advantage in the series. Yeah, and the Canes being on home ice uh, could could make them a prohibitive favorite tonight. We shall see. Uh, they they did a really fine job this year uh, with the penalty kill. At one point, mm-hmm. I mean, they were in the top five. Maybe they maybe maybe finished the top three in that department. So mm-hmm. uh, they have some defensemen who have been. Uh, among the better goal scorers for defensemen in the league. So, I mean, there's some positives, obviously. Uh, you mentioned yeah. Ajo. Their power play has been okay. Not great. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's middling. You know, I mean, it, it's had its moments. 
So I mean, there yeah, are there, there are some things, and they they do get a lot of shots on goal. Right, they do, and and that's that's important. But some of those shots have to go in at some point. <laughs> well, that's I true. Mean, yes, it is. You don't, you don't you don't win the you don't win the uh, you don't win a baseball game by putting fifteen hits on the board. Let's put it that way. Um, no, there's. This game, this series, I really don't think is necessarily going to be won and lost on special teams. I mean, if the Hurricanes get the power play going, that would certainly be a, a significant uh, advantage to them. Um, but these are two, like you said, these are two quality defensive teams. Yeah. The Hurricanes' penalty kill has been outstanding all season. No reason to think it won't continue. Uh, you know, Don Waddell in an interview last week, uh, the general manager said that if they break even on special teams. He thinks that's a win for the Hurricanes, and I agree with him. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the kind of thing you want to hear going into the playoffs. You know, you want at least one of them really clicking. But I, I think he, I think Waddell does have a point here that the Hurricanes are so good on the penalty kill that if they can just break even in special teams, you know, given that this is going to be a low-scoring series, they get some timely saves, they get some you know some timely goal scoring from somewhere. At this point, I don't think they care where it comes from. Uh, then they have a pretty good chance of success. And I don't want to give the impression that, you know, this is, this is going to be the Hurricanes fighting uphill. Is it going to be a challenge? Yes, absolutely. Because the best goaltender in the series is without question on the other bench. Um, so that's going to be a challenge. And when you've got a team that's struggling to score goals in the first place, that makes it even more of a challenge. So definitely not something that the Hurricanes are comfortable going into, I think. But then again, you know, going back to the very first point that we made, they've had a playoff spot basically locked up since, you know, yeah. since, since before the start of the year. So, you know, yes, they're playing for a, for a division title and, uh, and most importantly to avoid the Rangers in the first round, which nobody wanted to see. Um, but this is, this is still a team that for large portions of the season could have gone on autopilot and just, you know, kind of played out the string to an extent. Now they're going to have to flip that switch. And this is a team, you know, again, five years in a row, they've been here. They know what to do. Um, you know, you don't necessarily want to be, you know, in switch flipping mode at this time of the year. But the Hurricanes have earned the right to be able to do that sure. without people questioning them. All right, Brian LeBlanc, Canes Country. Follow him at BD LeBlanc on Twitter at Canes Country as well. Uh, let me just ask you really quick, you like the Canes in this series and in how many games? I am actually taking the Islanders to the series. Whoa! Okay. I know. Wait a minute. I know. I, All right. I plot twist. Um, I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I just spent 15 minutes talking about how yes. the, all the things. Now, my predictions traditionally are not good. I'll be the first to admit that. Um, I am. I'm concerned about where the goal scoring is going to come from. Do I hope I'm wrong? Absolutely. And part of this is, you know, the. You know, I'm, I'm a Cleveland sports fan. I plan for the worst and hope for the best. So, um, and, and more often than not, that uh, that faith in the worst is rewarded. But sure. hopefully, that's not the case here. Um, I'm, you know, I, I think that Sorokin is, you know, obviously is the best goalie in the series, as I mentioned. I think that you know the Hurricanes they certainly have the capability to put some pucks in the net. I would like to see them do it a little bit more frequently. And you know, I. I, I can they can they flip the switch? Yes, I think they can. But we've got six weeks of experience since Chechnikov went down, and the results have been okay. I mean, they're above 500, but you know this is a team that has 113 points. If you're you know if you're patting yourself on the back for going 500 over the last six weeks of the season, 
you're setting yourself up in the playoffs, I'm afraid. So I actually have the Islanders in six games. I think that Sorokin steals the series. Got you. Um, who, who do you like ultimately out of the East and out of the West? Uh, I am going to shoot. I, I, I don't realize how much trouble I'm going to get in for saying this because I realize, again, I'm setting myself up. Heaven help me, I have the Toronto Maple Leafs winning the Stanley Cup this year. Wow. Okay. Over the Edmonton Oilers. I have an all-Canadian final this year. I'd be fine with that. I don't think the Bruins get there. I think the, the, I think the Bruins, you know, setting a record for the most points in the season, uh, beating out one of the best teams of all time in the 76-77 Montreal Canadiens. Um, I think that they're an outstanding team. I absolutely think they could win the Stanley Cup. I mean, basically it's one of those things like, you know, 20 years ago you had kind of the prop bets where you took Tiger Woods to the field. And that's kind of where we're at with the Bruins this year. Are you taking the Bruins or are you taking the field? Um, but the field's got a three and four chance of winning, basically. So I, I think that the chances are that the Bruins, you know, I think they get through the first round. They shouldn't have a problem with Florida. I don't think they get past the Leafs in the second round. I really don't. I think this is the Leafs year. I think they finally have everything clicking together and I think it's going to be an outstanding playoffs. Um, but for the first time since 1993, I have the, I have the cup going back to Canada and, and the uh, person or the people of the Toronto Maple Leafs for the first time since 1967 winning the Stanley Cup this year. Uh, Brian, thank you very much. We'll uh, hopefully catch up at some point during uh, the postseason uh, and, yep. and hopefully more than a one-round run that you have. Yes. The Kings. Yes. On. Yep. I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I will be the first to say I hope I'm wrong. I just, you know, I I, I have to, I gotta say what I think I, what I think is gonna happen. I, I, I says what I says. So there. Says what you says. Alright, thank you, Brian. PJ, good talking to you. We'll talk soon. Thanks to Coach Godwin for being on with us. Thanks to Brian LeBlanc. Thanks to Chris Cook, uh, the uh, producer and sports update anchor on the show. We'll be back in the morning on Talk of the Town as I'm uh, filling in for Henry uh, this week. He is uh, out for a few days on vacation. And then back here tomorrow at 5 for a fresh edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Interbanks Media's Concert on the Common is back. Are you ready? with your friends and family, along with adult beverages and great food on Greenville's Town Common. The first band to hit the Greenville Toyota Amphitheater stage is the Legacy Motown Review, Thursday, April 27th. This year will also feature music from the Ultimate Eagles Tribute on the Border. Each music legends of Band of Oz. Landslide, a tribute to Fleetwood Mac. The Embers, featuring Craig Woolard and the Leonard Skinner Tribute Band. To-